0: Well in Esther chapter 9 we have a message called celebrating the Feast of Purim. Now in previous message, I said Purim and I was corrected. It's actually Purim or Purim. And it was celebrated not that many weeks ago as a remembrance of what happened in the book of Esther. How God turned things around using Mordecai and Esther. We're going to examine the Feast of Purim today on Walk in Truth. These are the teachings of Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. Before we get started with today's message, we want to let you know that this is a listener-supported ministry. Call with your gift at 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. Now, here's Pastor Michael. If you're still in Exodus, turn to chapter 12. As we look at the uh, Passover... The first spring feast I mentioned to you, this is chapter 39, uh, and it's telling the story of the institution of the Passover holiday. And they baked 1239 of Exodus, the dough which they had brought out of Egypt into cakes of unleavened bread, for it had not become leavened since they were driven out of Egypt and could not delay, nor had they prepared any provisions for themselves. Now the time that the sons of Israel lived in Egypt was 430 years. And it came about at the end of 430 years to the very day that all the hosts of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. It is a night to be observed for the Lord, for having brought them out from the land of Egypt, this night is for the Lord. Think of holiday. It's to be observed. The Hebrew root is shamar. We're to watch out for it, to remember by all the sons of Israel, what's your Bible say, throughout their generations, all Israel throughout every generation, is to remember this night. Flip over to Exodus 13, look at verse 8. And you shall tell your son on that day, saying, It is because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt. Why is this night different from all others, the child says to the parent on Passover? And the, the parent says, We celebrate this way. We have what we have on the table. We read the scriptures we read. We pray the prayers that we pray because the Lord brought us out of slavery with a mighty hand. Now remember that the Passover is a picture of your salvation because Egypt is a type of the world. Pharaoh is a type or a symbol of Satan. The children of Israel were in bondage to the taskmasters, a type of sin, a picture of sin. They came out, they had the blood of the lamb on their doorpost. God passed over with a mighty hand and he did not judge any household where he saw the blood. Uh, they put the blood on the doorpost and on the lentil. Some believe you could see the sign of the cross there as they painted the blood. And God says, when I see the blood of the lamb, I will not judge that house. By the way, ancient covenants were made at the door. When a husband carries his bride over a threshold. It's kind of officiating or symbolizing, uh, making official or symbolizing the covenant. Covenants made at the threshold. God says, paint the blood on the door. And if you're behind the blood of the lamb, then you will not suffer my wrath or judgment. But if I don't see the blood, the firstborn is going to die. Every time Israel celebrates the Passover, year in and year out with the Seder meal and the celebrations and the scripture readings. It is all to commemorate. We need to remember because we can so quickly forget. If you've ever read Abraham Lincoln's uh, Thanksgiving proclamation, which I think was uh, printed and signed in 1863, there he asks America to have a national day of Thanksgiving in November. And he says, "Look, maybe what we're going through as a nation right now is because we have forgotten God." I would encourage you to read Abraham Lincoln's Thanksgiving Proclamation, as he challenges America not to forget God, not to become so enamored with our, uh, you know, success and prosperity that we forget the God who made us what we are. In fact, I would argue, as you look at the history of America, there is no explanation of America without the mighty hand of God. America is an imperfect nation, I know. I understand that we have some history that's not so pretty. But America was founded on biblical values with a heart of people who wanted to be free to worship their God. And so, back in Esther chapter nine, just before the book of Job, if you're just getting to it, Mordecai records the events that took place. This is Esther nine verse twenty, and recording uh, events. As you you'll note, you know, in the book, there's uh, the record of the king's chronicles. That's how he find out finds out Mordecai was the one that saved him. There's a lot of emphasis on written records and you know, getting records out by courier. But Mordecai, Esther 920, recorded these events. Now, what did he record? Well, look at verse 17 of the same section. This was done, this uh, defense of their lives by the Jews on the 13th day of the month of Adar, Esther 917. And on the 14th day, they rested and made it a day of feasting and rejoicing. But the Jews who were in Susa, that's the capital, assembled on the 13th day, And the 14th of the same month, and they rested on the 15th. They had to fight for two days a day and made it a day of feasting, notice, and rejoicing. Therefore, the Jews of the rural areas who live in the rural towns make the 14th day of the month of Adar a holiday or a holy day for rejoicing and feasting and sending portions of food to one another. When Mordecai recorded the events in verse 20, he was simply recording what had already occurred. The Jews had already found deliverance from their enemies. They were able to protect their own lives, maybe with no casualties. We don't know for sure. And then spontaneously, they began to celebrate what had happened. Now remember, God's name is not mentioned once in the book of Esther. So this celebration is people saying, we were able to defeat our enemies. We have rest now. We're not going to die. The evil edict of Haman has been countered and defeated, and now we can rest. And so they began to celebrate; they began to have holiday. Uh, every holiday has something that started it, something that spurred it. And so Mordecai he sent letters, verse twenty, to all the Jews who were in all the provinces. Remember, there was what 175 of them of King Ahasuerus both near and far. They wanted to make sure that everybody in the rural towns and the capital knew what had happened and knew that they should be celebrating these events. This is Isaiah 57, 19, uh, 18 and 19. I have seen his ways, but I will heal him, the Lord speaking. I will lead him and restore comfort to him and to his mourners, creating the praise of his lips, Isaiah 57, 19, Peace or shalom, shalom to him who is far and to him who is near, says the Lord, and I will heal him. The Lord had healed the nation and the natural response to healing is what? Celebration, joy. If the Lord heals a relationship in your life, if your body recovers from a sickness by the grace of God, whatever it may be, you are in a celebratory mood, amen? You're happy. You're you're glad. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Sometimes I think as Christians we we think that to walk into church you have to look like you just ate a banana upside down. Right? That's not what the Christian life's about, you guys. Now I know some of the Christian life has a serious aspect to it. Of course, we have a spiritual battle. But look, we take ourselves seriously enough, don't we? Maybe we need to calm down a little bit and learn how the Jews party. (laughs) Now, I'll say this to you. Unfortunately, in the Jewish feast today, if you read a little bit about Purim or Purim, they abuse alcohol. Don't do that. You don't need to abuse alcohol to have fun. The Lord and His Holy Spirit is what should be, filling your life. You are not to be drunk with wine, for that is a waste, Ephesians 5.18. You are to be filled with God's Spirit. Now you are wise enough people, I think, to understand what you can and can't do, how to use your freedom wisely, but you don't use your freedom for license. Freedom or liberty is given to you by God to do what you ought, not to do what you shouldn't. Freedom is not license to sin. It's the power to do what is right. Freedom is about getting other people to the place where they can hear about the joy and freedom of Christ too. It's not abusing your privilege or stumbling other people. Now I want to show you one other passage that I think uh, has this theme of rejoicing and healing, and it's in Jeremiah, and it's written to the, uh, the captives with a promise of hope. So it's to your right, uh, I would encourage you to turn here because I think you're going to want to see this and mark this. This is Jeremiah 31, and this is verses 10 through 14. Jeremiah 31, 10. Hear the word of the Lord. O nations, Jeremiah 31, 10. And declare in the coastlands afar off and say, He who scattered Israel will gather him and keep him as a shepherd keeps his flock. 31, 11. For the Lord has ransomed Jacob. And redeemed him from the hand of him who was stronger than he. And they shall come and shout for joy on the height of Zion. They shall be radiant over the bounty of the Lord, over the grain, the new wine. Uh, All of the feasts have to do with ingathering as well or celebrating God's bounty in, in an agrarian culture where you had to grow crops to survive. Over the grain, the new wine, the oil, over the young of the flock and the herd. Their life shall be like a watered garden. They shall never languish again, hope for captives in a difficult spot. Then the virgin shall rejoice in the dance, the young men and the old together. For I will turn their mourning into joy, will comfort them and give them joy for their sorrow. And I will fill the soul of the priest with abundance and my people shall be satisfied with my goodness, declares the Lord. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Did you know God's name is not mentioned once in the book of Esther, but his fingerprints are all over it. The famous verse, and who knows whether you have not attained royalty for such a time as this, tells us that Mordecai sensed God moving in the darkest of times. This is a story about ordinary everyday people taking a stand and becoming vessels through which God saved a nation The story is filled with satire and seriousness, but it ends with celebration as God turns things around for good as only he can. Get your copy of Pastor Michael Lance's teaching of the entire book of Esther for such a time as this. Yours as a thank you for your financial gift of $30 or more to Walk in Truth. Visit walkintruth.com today. That's walkintruth.com. Remember, you can listen to today's program and previous ones whenever you want on our website, walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. Now back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin Truth. So back to Esther and all God's people said, amen, because God's promises are good and when he delivers us, rejoicing is uh, just really comes naturally. Purim, uh, unlike the other feasts, was a spontaneous response from the people encouraged by the leaders, the human leaders, as opposed to a feast that was Moses saying to the people, you will do this. If you want uh, to see all seven feasts, read Leviticus 23. I don't have time to get into it tonight. But if you want to see all the feasts of Israel, Leviticus 23. Just read the entire chapter. But here the feast comes from the leaders and they oblige them, Esther 9.21, to, New King James, to establish among them that they should celebrate the 14th day of the month of Adar and the 15th day of the same month. And then notice it's it's an annual celebration that they would never forget, that they would uh, honor the Lord annually. It's easy to forget, isn't it? We have have very short memories. We can forget what the Lord did for us six months ago and even six days ago. Do you find that sometimes the Lord's done something in your life, something incredible, something majestic, something miraculous, and then two, three days later, you can go through a tough spot and begin to question everything that you believe in a matter of hours sometimes. That's how much we need to be reminded. That's how much we need to be in Scripture. That's how much we need to understand that we are prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. All right, I want to show you another one. We're all over the place, but stick with me, Psalm 78. It's just a little bit to your right. Psalm 78. Here's an exhortation to God's people to remember. Psalm 78, verse 1. Follow along with me. Mark up your Bible Go back and maybe check these later. Listen, O my people, Psalm 78.1, to my instruction, incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known and our fathers have told us. We will not conceal, 78, four them from their children, but tell the generation to come the praises of the Lord, his strength and his wondrous works that he has done. For he established a testimony in Jacob, or Israel, and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers, that they should teach them to their children, that the generation to come might know, even the children yet to be born, that they may arise and tell them to their children, that they should put their confidence in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments and not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation a generation that did not prepare its heart and whose spirit was not faithful to God. The sons of Ephraim were archers equipped with bows, yet they turned their back in the day of battle. They did not keep the covenant of God and refused to walk in his way. And they forgot his deeds and his miracles that he had shown them. How quickly, how easily we forget, back to the book of Esther, how easy it is to go back to the ways of the flesh to give in to the spirit of the age. I think we all struggle with it. I think we all struggle with our humanity. I think it's easy to forget what God has done for you. That's why we need holy days. That's why we need to be in church. That's why we need to celebrate communion, which we're going to do at the very end of this message, because we need to remember. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. Remember who you are. Don't get distracted. Don't forget how I called you, what I've done in your life to this point, and that I will complete what I started in you. Once established, Purim was to be celebrated on two consecutive days, reading from a commentary. This can be understood in one of two ways. Either all Jewish people everywhere were to celebrate on both days, because originally a part of the community had celebrate on each day, apparently, or Jewish people should celebrate Purim on the one day appropriate to their location. Remember, there was a difference between the capital and the rural towns. Today, Jews around the world, says this writer, celebrate Purim on one day, Adar 14th, roughly equivalent to our march, except those living on one of the cities traditionally considered walled at the time of Joshua, which include Jerusalem, Hebron, and Jericho, where Purim is celebrated on Adar Fifteen. So today it is still a two-day feast and people apparently choose to celebrate one of the two days or both the days. Because on those days, here's the reason for the feast back in Esther 9.22, the reason for the holiday. Because on those days the Jews rid themselves of or got relief or rest from their enemies. And it was a month which was turned for them from sorrow into gladness. Esther 9.22, middle of the verse, from mourning into holiday, that they should make them days of feasting and rejoicing and sending portions, the Hebrew is manat, of food to one another and gifts to the poor. David wrote in Psalm 30, 11 and 12, you have turned my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness that may, my glory may sing your praises and not be silent, O oh Lord my God, I will give thanks to you forever. This is why the holiday exists, because it was during that time, and the Jews actually celebrating the holiday on the days of relief, not the days of battle, that they had sorrow turned into gladness, mourning, remember the sackcloth and ashes turned into holiday, The days are for feasting and rejoicing and even sending portions of food to one another and gifts to the poor. Why why do you include the poor here? Well, I want to show you one other that you'll find interesting. It's in Deuteronomy 16, and this is uh, a commentary from uh, somebody named Firth. And he points out this verse, and I think it's something for us to see. And uh, I'm sure you can all relate to this. Those of you who come from families where big meals are just simply part of holidays. Anybody? Big meals. Okay. Thanksgiving. How many of you uh, every year have to fast for about 10 days before Thanksgiving? Right? Or at least your intention is. And then you say, this year I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to eat that second helping of mashed potatoes and the pumpkin pie and the apple pie and the cherry pie. And the- and then I'm not going to eat the turkey sandwich a little later when I said I'd never eat again. But two hours later, I'm looking for a turkey sandwich. But then it happens. And maybe that's okay. Deuteronomy 16:11. You shall rejoice before the Lord your God, 16:11. And you and your son and your daughter, your male and female servants, the Levite who is in your town, the stranger and the orphan and the widow who are in your midst, in the place where the Lord your God chooses to establish his name. You shall remember that you were a slave in Egypt, 1612, and should be careful to observe these statutes. You shall celebrate the Feast of Booths or Tabernacles seven days after you have gathered in from your threshing floor and your wine vat. And you shall rejoice in your feast, you and your son and your daughter, your male and female servants, the Levite, the stranger, and the orphan, and the widow who are in your towns. Seven days you shall celebrate a feast to the Lord your God in the place which the Lord chooses, because the Lord your God will bless you in all your produce and in all the work of your hands, so that you shall be altogether joyful. There's some more instruction there about the major feast, but you get the point. They were instructed to include the poor, Those who are maybe not as well off, back to Esther, and we'll finish it, in their celebrations. Have you considered that? Have you considered widening your table at holidays? Some of you do that. Some of you have opened up your home to maybe people in the congregation who don't have a large family. They they all their other families out of state. Maybe a widow. Maybe uh, somebody that you know that you know doesn't have anywhere to go. They don't have family close by. They don't have all the things that maybe you have. And you you do something very biblical when you do that. You say, "Hey, hey, do do we have plenty of food at our family celebrations?" Yes, we do. How about we open up our table? How about we let somebody else into the circle of our tradition? Tradition, <laughs> right? How about they get exposed to our prayers in our lives? You know, in our culture, if we want to win more people to Christ, one of the key ways is going to be through hospitality. It is going to be literally opening up our homes to folks who need to experience the love of Jesus Christ and see that in our church family and our own families. So are you opening up your home more? You know, when you open up the door of your home, you open up the door of your heart. And maybe there's someone in your fellowship you go to church with who doesn't have anywhere to go on a holiday. You know, my own kids have really shown me, my own nieces have shown me the way. They've done this with several people, inviting them into our family celebrations, people that we love and maybe they didn't have family close by or nowhere else to go. And it's just a great way to show the love of Jesus. And we can do that through our home Bible studies. Think about that, pray about that, and think about winning more people by opening up those doors. Well, hey, I'm Pastor Michael Lance, and you only have a few more days to get a copy of the entire book of Esther on flash drive, yours with a gift of any size to walk in truth. You help us both stay on the air and potentially expand this ministry. And of course, the main purpose is to reach more people like you and me. You know, radio ministry has been such a blessing to me over the years. So many teachers that have blessed my life. And I'm so glad to be able to share with you on your commute or in your home or wherever you are. Uh, to partner in the gospel and encourage your walk with Jesus. So visit walkintruth.com to donate. You might want to just shoot us a little note and say, hey, I'm listening and I appreciate you guys. We read everything that you send and we're deeply appreciative of your encouragement. Now you're probably wondering, well, what's the next series on Walk in Truth? What are we going to hear on Monday? Well, it's definitely one of the more controversial ones. That's right. It's the book of Numbers. No, (laughs) I'm just kidding. It is the book of Revelation. You know, we've been praying about what to air next. And uh, the book of Revelation is certainly intriguing and timely. And it's a revelation of Jesus Christ, but it's also a revelation of the future. You could say it applies to our churches. There's a past element, but then it also applies to the future of this world and where it's headed. It's, It's an incredible study, and we look forward to bringing it to you. On Walk in Truth. Well, make sure you turn in tomorrow as we look at the conclusion of the book of Esther called Celebrating the Feast of Purim. It's time for the Jews to party and celebrate all God has done. And until then, may you have the joy of the Lord and His peace in your heart. May God bless you. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, encouraging you to reach out with God's truth to all people.